The reading is taken from Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Angela. Good morning, everybody. My name's Jonathan G. I'm the vicar here. If I can add my own welcome to that that Adam gave earlier, particularly to Marcus and Elisa. Lovely to have you back here. We know Elisa is a woman of great courage. She lived with us in the vicarage for a year and survived that. So uh, multicultural ministry is, is no strange thing to her. Uh, just before we get going, I wonder how your plans for Christmas are getting going. We got our tree up this year, which is always a great milestone when that happens. And I was reminded of one of my favourite Christmas stories of the family. Uh, they, there's a very, very religious family, this one. They didn't have a star on the top of their tree like we have. They didn't have an angel on the top of their tree. They had a Virgin Mary on the top of their tree. And uh, they did, the children didn't write letters to Father Christmas for what they wanted. When I was little, we wrote letters to Father Christmas and sent them up the chimney. They wrote letters to Jesus saying what they wanted at uh, Christmas. And this little boy starts writing his letter. Dear Jesus, I've been a good boy all year. Please, can I have... And he realised, Jesus knows that's not true. So he ripped up that letter and had another go. Dear Jesus, I've been a good boy all month. Please, may I have... And he realised... That wasn't true either. So he ripped up and had another go. Dear Jesus, I've been a good boy all week. And he thought, this isn't going to work. So he came up with another plan. And he went down to the Christmas tree and took the Virgin Mary off the top, wrapped her up in newspaper in a plastic bag, buried her at the bottom of his wardrobe, and wrote, Dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again. <laughs> I don't know how it works in your family, but... Uh, there we are. That's an entirely gratuitous joke. Let's just pray that the Lord will come and speak to us. Uh, something far more edifying. Lord Jesus, we praise you for good news at Christmas. The celebrations uh, as families gather. The good news we have to share. And as we think about this wonderful reading and your names, Jesus and Emmanuel, however familiar this is to us, will you come by your spirit and speak to us afresh and lead us to walk more closely with you. And we ask it in your great name. Amen. 
So last week we were in the first half of Matthew's Gospel. We looked at Jesus' genealogy, some of the extraordinary characters there, and uh, the fact that God's not embarrassed having those in Jesus' genealogy, he's not embarrassed having us as part of his family. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, we can be part of God's great family. Today we are thinking about the names that were given. Uh, Joseph is wondering what to do, and the angel appears to him and says that Mary's been telling the truth, the baby in her is conceived by the Holy Spirit, and he is to call him Jesus. Uh, and then this, uh, Matthew talks about fulfillment. This fulfills what was written in the Old Testament. A child will be born called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, names are very significant. I don't know if you know what your name means or why your parents give, gave it to you. Sometimes uh, we give names in memory of different people in the family. Uh, my parents, when I was born, gave me the name Jonathan, which means gift of the Lord. I'm not sure that's what they thought when I was a teenager, but, it was, but that was their thought when I was born. Uh, names have a significance. And sometimes if people's names don't quite fit what they feel called to do, they change them. Uh, a little bit of work Googling can reveal some quite interesting names. Did you know that... Uh, Marilyn Monroe, you probably did, was known as was born Norma Jean Mortensen. You probably know that. Did you know that Elton John was originally Reg Dwight? Did you know that Cliff Richard was Harry Webb? Did you know that Michael Caine was born Morris Micklewhite, which doesn't have quite the same ring for a Hollywood star? My favourite one I found, did you know that Joaquin Phoenix was born Joaquin Bottom? That was, um, he changed his name for Hollywood. Now, when people's names don't fit them, and then when they're celebrities, they change their names. The names of Jesus fit him absolutely perfectly. These two names, Jesus and Emmanuel, fit who he is and what he had come to do utterly perfectly. Emmanuel means God is with us. Jesus means the Lord saves. And they describe perfectly who he is. So let's just think about those two. Let's think about the name Emmanuel first. Uh, remember this is, this is verse 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us or God is with us. Some of you will remember uh, the days when Apollo went up to the moon and men walked on the moon. It's a long time ago now, but in my childhood, this was a, a massive feature. Uh, Jim Irwin, one of the people who walked on the moon, said this, one of the very first men to walk. He said, the greatest miracle is not that man walked on the moon, but that God came and walked on the earth. He is God with us in the person of Jesus. And it is hard for us to get our heads around this, that God, King of kings and Lord of lords, came to be born as a tiny baby and to share our lot. He knew suffering. He knew poverty. He knew what it was to be a refugee in his earliest years as they fled to Egypt. Uh, he knew what it was to have normal childhood uh, illnesses or to fall over and bump his knee. He knew what it was to be misunderstood by family. He knew what it was to suffer terribly and die. And through all of that, he came to reveal something of God's love for us. He is God with us, showing us his love. And it is the extraordinary miracle that God came down from heaven above to walk this earth. Now, religion, by and large, tries to do it the other way around. It tries to work out what God is like and see if we can get up to him. 
Uh, when I was at school, for a whole year, we had our RE lessons. We watched a BBC series called The Long Search, which went through about 30 different religions and the ways they tried to connect with God. And the whole premise was that you can't possibly know God, so there's this human beings have this great long search for what God is like and have tried all these ingenious ways to connect with him. Uh, and it utterly missed the point. It was very complimentary about people and all these creative ways, but it utterly missed the point that God is different. We'll never work out exactly what he's like unless he reveals himself to us. And we don't need to work it out because God has come to us in the person of Jesus and showed us what he's like. I think an awful lot of religion is designed not to actually connect with God, but to kind of keep him at arm's length. Sometimes people say to me, well, Vicar, I've been looking for God uh, all my life. Uh, almost always say, well, you can't have been looking very hard then <laughs> because he's come in the person of Jesus and said, here I am. And I always ask them, what do you make of Jesus? We believe that Jesus is God with us. God has visited us. He's shown us what he's like. To anybody here this morning trying to explore, uh, is there a God? What is he like? Look at the person of Jesus. He's come saying he is God in human form. What he is like is what God is like. And Matthew starts his gospel by saying God is with us. Matthew ends his gospel with exactly the same thing. Matthew 28 and verse 20 uh, says this. Last thing Jesus says, recorded by Matthew, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age, says this to his disciples. And for Matthew, this, this is like these are bookends to the gospel. Emmanuel, God is with us. I am with you always. Uh, in between, he talks lots about how God fulfills his promises and is faithful to his promises. He tells a story of Jesus with his disciples in a storm in a boat. He's making the point that life gets stormy, but it doesn't mean God's abandoned us. Jesus was there with his disciples in the storm. He is with us in the difficult days. He's with us in the good days. In times of bereavement, that psalm that is perhaps the most comforting Psalm, there is Psalm 23. So even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Jesus is a God who's not only come to reveal what God is like and then go away again, but who's with us by his spirit every step of the way. We'll pop, come back to that in the end. Let's look at the, uh, the main name for Jesus, the one we know him by, Jesus. His very name means the Lord saves. So uh, as the angel said to Joseph, verse 21, uh, Mary will give birth to a son. You'll give him the name Jesus. That means the Lord saves because he will save his people from their sins. Christmas marks the start of God's great rescue operation for humanity. Men and women who have turned their back on God. We've all fallen short of his standards. We've all sinned. There's a barrier between us and God. And Christmas marks the start of the rescue operation. The Lord saves, we could translate it as God to the rescue. There's an old anonymous poem that says this. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. 
If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent us a saviour. That is our greatest need. And the name of Jesus describes perfectly what he came to do, to save us from our sins. I don't know if you know what it's like to be rescued. I haven't told this story for a few years. Some of you who were here many years ago will know this story perfectly well. I told it rather too often many years ago. But when I was eight or nine, I was rescued, and I've never forgotten what that was like. We were summer holidays. We were down on Exmouth Beach in South Devon, lovely sandy beach, great for children. I had a little blow-up dinghy and two oars, and I was paddling around there in the sea. And I heard my dad say to me, Jonathan, come back. So I, the best I could, aged eight and nine, turned the boat back towards uh, the shore and rowed a bit more. And I heard my dad calling again, Jonathan, come back. And I looked over my shoulder and found I'd got, I was further away. And what happened was that we were rather too close to where the River X came out. And the current, the edge of the current, was getting hold of my little dinghy and taking me out. So I started paddling furiously. I still remember uh, hearing my dad a little less clearly, Jonathan, come back. And however hard I tried to row, uh, the current was taking me towards France. Uh, only the early stages. <laughs> That's fine. But I remember panicking. What can I do? I, I couldn't, to start off with, I had no idea I was in trouble. I was just quietly pottering along in my boat. When I realized I was in trouble, I did my best to save myself. I couldn't. Uh, and then two big men in a big wooden rowing boat with big wooden oars rowed out. And they threw me a lifeline, as it were, and said, grab hold of that. And I grabbed hold of it, and they towed me back in. And I remember how wonderful it is being back on the shore, safe with my dad, after an adventure that was a little hairier uh, than I was anticipating. Have you ever needed to be rescued? Can you remember what it feels like? Now, all of us need to be rescued from sin. Uh, the whole world has fallen short of God's glory. We've all sinned. And the vast majority are unaware that that puts them in trouble. A bit like me paddling along in my boat, unaware that something was going wrong. As we become aware that there is something that needs attention, we do our best to sort it all out ourselves. We try New Year's resolutions and we try behaving ourselves and we try doing good. And however hard we try, it doesn't deal with it. In fact, it almost seems to have the opposite effect. Uh, we become more aware of what's wrong. And we realize that we're never going to be good enough for God as we are. And this is where the glorious good news of the Christmas story comes in. That God sent us a rescuer. And just as when I was in my boat, I had to just submit to the rescuers and do what they said. Grab hold of this rope and we'll tow you in. When we submit to Jesus as our Lord, when we bow the knee to him, uh, he rescues us. The first thing he does is forgive us from our sins. It's because he paid the price for them on the cross. We don't need to. Uh, and then we're adopted into his great family. We can call his father our father. He puts his Holy Spirit within us. But that doesn't happen until we've stopped trying to save ourselves. We can't save ourselves. This is a gift from God.
And Christmas is the start of this wonderful, wonderful rescue operation. For me, I grew up in a Christian family, and I knew these stories to be true, but in my teenage years, I was torn two ways. I was kind of going my own way, not God's way. I knew there was forgiveness, but I didn't know what it was like to live with Jesus as Lord. And it was when I was 18, at a fresh start, I went to university, right at a, a new season in my life. I bowed the knee to Jesus as my Lord. And I remember being, to C.S. Lewis's phrase, surprised by joy. Joy came flooding in. Along with that, assurance of forgiveness, a sense of purpose in my life, uh, a new sense of relationship with God, my Father. I wasn't expecting it to be wonderful. I, I did it because I believed it was true. Uh, I want to say to anybody here who's not yet bowed the knee to Jesus as your Lord, Jesus has come as the King of kings and Lord of lords to save you from your sins, to be Emmanuel, God with you. What's stopping you? And maybe you don't realize that it matters. And maybe you think you can sort everything out yourself. But there'll come a point where you realize you can't that the forgiveness that Jesus gives is our only hope. Uh, I want to encourage you to think about that more. Do talk to me on the way out. Uh, keep coming back. Come to our Alpha course next term as we think these things through. Uh, the vast majority here, I know, are part of our church family. You know the Lord Jesus. You've bowed the knee to him as Lord. How are you doing at living with Jesus Emmanuel? God is with us. He has promised to be with us every step of the way. Uh, in my life, the problem is not that God doesn't keep his promises. He does. My problem is my ability to walk with him. And I tend to drift off in different ways. It's a bit like when I take my dog Dudley for a walk. I can call him. The walk goes perfectly when he potters along besides me. That only comes at the end of the walk when he's exhausted all his energies. And it's really rather nice just walking side by side. Uh, most of the time, he goes off and does his own thing. I have, over the, since I was 18, 37 years ago, been learning to get better at walking with Jesus. He promises to be with us, but too often I run ahead or lag behind or veer off left or right and wind up out of touch with him and then moaning at him, God, where have you gone? Why have you left me all alone? He's promised to be with us. Even in the darkest valley, he is there. And he invites us to walk with him. In the middle of Matthew's gospel, Matthew records Jesus saying these words. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We often try every other way of finding rest for our souls. We can find rest for our bodies, we can do different things, but it doesn't deal with the inner stuff. So we were praying before the service. One of the prayer team had a picture of a robin, not a Christmas robin, this is more in the springtime, of a robin feeding the chicks and bringing worms for the, the robins to eat. In a sense, there were these hungry little chicks, all beaks wide open, hungry. We are all desperately hungry for security and significance and purpose. And God has what we need. He will provide the food for our souls, the rest for our souls. But we have to learn to walk with him. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. The question is, are we going to be with him?
or as John puts it in his gospel, abide in me, make your home in me, and you will bear fruit. Uh, Many of us kind of visit the Lord Jesus for an hour on a Sunday morning or maybe an hour on a Wednesday evening. The idea is that we make our home with him, we live with him day by day, Monday through Saturday, morning, afternoon, evening as well. Now, I'd got to the point of realising that I needed to work a bit harder on this learning to walk with Jesus. So many of you know that about a year and a half ago, I signed up for uh, an Ignatian spirituality course would be a, a wrong word. It's to learn more, a way of praying that helps me be more present to God. Uh, I thought it was going to be 30 weeks. It's more like 30 fortnights so far. I suspect I'm slightly in the remedial class on this one in just learning to be with the Lord. But taking an hour a day to be still and meditate on the scriptures, taking a morning, a fortnight with a spiritual director, a wise older guide, just talking through how I'm doing at learning to be present with Jesus. I wish I'd done this years ago, but I'd reached the point where I thought, I am exhausted with trying to do this my own way. Let's try and do it God's way. And I think it's getting better. Time will tell. Uh, maybe, a, who knows, the Lord may leave me for another 37 years, by which time I may even become a godly old man. Who knows? Uh, it's a work in progress at the moment. There's a long way to go. I want to ask you, there were those of you who asked, have you bowed the knee to Jesus as Lord? If you haven't, please take time this Christmas to meditate on Jesus. He loves you. He came to reveal God's love for you. He died for your sin. He can forgive you and adopt you in his family and put his Holy Spirit in you and give you his purpose and his joy and his peace. For those of you who are Christians, how are you doing at living your life with Jesus Emmanuel. He has promised to be with you. How how are you doing at being with him? And what's the next step for you? Uh, Most of my Christian life, I've kind of known what the next step is. There's things I know I've needed to cut out. There's things I know I've needed to take up, and it's a question of doing it. I suspect that the majority of you know what the next thing is you need to do to walk more closely with Jesus. Uh, But some of you may not know, and it's a really good thing to pray, Lord Jesus, will you show me how to wear your easy yoke? Will you help me learn to walk with you? Thank you that you promised to walk with me. Help me learn to walk with you. Uh, Do some thinking about that now. I know it's a busy season, maybe Tuesday night as we have some quiet, reflective prayer on the scripture. Uh, You might want to come and do that. Over the new year, What's the next step for you in your walk with God? Is it coming into relationship with him? Is it finally stopping trying to earn it all in your own strength and accepting his wonderful free gift of forgiveness and grace? Is it making time for prayer and meditation on the scripture day by day? Is it joining in with a small group or a prayer trip or formation so you learn to Uh, walk closely with others and share the deep things and pray for each other is it taking uh, learning to serve and offer you've received a lot but learning to serve is it to do with your time is it to do with your money what's the next step for you Uh, my testimony is that the better I get at this the better it is it doesn't mean that life is always comfortable 
God never promises that. There were the storms. Jesus, the disciples were with Jesus, absolutely with him, and there were storms. There are storms going on. But it's better inwardly. There is a promise of rest for our souls. There's no promise of an easy life outwardly. Quite the opposite. Following Jesus rarely leads to that. But there is a promise of a deep inner rest. And when we know his peace inwardly, we can cope with an extraordinary amount outwardly. So we'll take a little bit of time just to say, Lord, what's the next step for me? He is absolutely committed to you. Our service of communion reminds us that Jesus came to die for us. His body was broken. His blood was poured out for us. He is committed to us. Uh, he not only wants to save us, he wants to walk with us as Emmanuel, Jesus Emmanuel. Uh, Today is a lovely moment of quiet. The children have got their Christmas parties and they're staying in their Christmas parties. We thought it was unwise to load them up with sugar and then send them back in to be still in communion. We didn't think that was going to work. So it's a, it's a quiet, still communion. And really from this point on is all response. In a moment I'll invite you to stand and we'll pray, we'll sing, we'll sing that great Advent hymn, O come, O come, Emmanuel, come and walk with us come to this world more we will receive the bread and the wine if you don't if if you're not yet baptized or confirmed you don't you receive the bread and wine we'd love to pray a blessing for you as people are receiving take the time to be still let's resist the urge of chatting to each other let's take this time to be still let's thank Jesus that he came to pay the price for our sins let's thank him that he's Emmanuel and ask him how can I keep in step with you better is there one particular thing? Uh, he's quite capable of letting us know. Uh, so would you stand, and perhaps the band would come back, and we'll pray together. Lord Jesus, at this Christmas season, we praise you for your love for us, that you left the glory of heaven to be born as a helpless baby, to reveal the love of the Father for us. We praise you that you grew up to teach the truths about God. We praise you that you demonstrated his love and care for us. We praise you supremely that when you died on the cross, you paid the price for all our sin. We praise you that you are risen from the dead and ascended and glorified and pouring out your spirit on us even now. Come now by your Holy Spirit and minister to us where we are and show us, we pray, the next step in our walk with you. Let's just be still and think on these.